Hello, this is Sahilthit coming to you from Brandon, Manitoba, homeland of the Kaska Denny, Oji Cree, Cree, Anishinaabe, Dakota, and Metis peoples on June the 21st. You know, today is Indigenous Day, according to the federal government of Canada. And actually, it's a solstice, which means the longest day or the transition from action to nourishment. Now we're going to do action to grow our food, corn, beans, and squash, you know, to harvest berries. We're going to start to go to that, do this transition from being quiet in the wintertime and stuff to being active help our body to be sound, to be strong, to have endurance. You know, at one time in our people's lives, our ancestors, to survive, they needed to be fit. To go out hunting for moose, for deer, for grouse, for all animals, you had to walk. You had to be fit to go out to catch these creatures, to fish. And because you're getting enough food for the whole year, usually, or for your whole family, consistently. And to do that, you needed to have fitness, to survive, to live a good life. It was a requirement. But it was a welcome requirement, and we were trained, I believe, since soon as we come into conception, they start to train us to take care of this body, to honor this body to love this body, that we're trained to do that. And as a result, we were sound, physically sound peoples before contact with European peoples. We're strong, we, were, we had endurance, we had speed. I would talk about the training methods of our people in other podcasts. Where I'm from, they trained young men as part of initiative initiation to for hunters to run down a deer on foot and to kill it with their bare hands now that's physically sound so this podcast is about being sound in body and i remember you know my journey when i was a child of course that's where i go to my first memories in my home it was an inclusive space, you know, and we were all working together. and We all, you know, do chores, take care of the house, take care of each other. So I, you know, and that part of my, John, my journey, I did not have issues around my body or anything. I, was, I just simply was. Eat, play, work. Oh, enjoy each other's company, play cards, do things together. That was what I remember as a child. Then all of a sudden I have this experience, and it's called school or education, and I went there, and that's when I started to experience um, or store things in my body, stress, I was afraid of making mistakes. I was afraid of being struck, of being physical pain inflicted on me for making a mistake. So then my body started to tense up. 
And then I, you know, like we get, I get struck across the face and both sides of my head for the first time in my life for making a mistake. For then I think I'm wrong or something wrong with me. As time goes on in this education system, and, there, and I got to the residential school, then I experienced different kinds of abuse, you know, sexual abuse, and that, again, messed up my body. You have tension on your body. If someone strikes you, you know, your shoulders go up to protect your vital organs, you curl your body up. And that takes effort to do that with your muscles to protect yourself. You get tense, what they call tense. Just imagine all people with tension headaches because they're tightening up their neck and their shoulders to, because they've been struck across the face or punched in the body or kicked. That has an impact on the body. Those kinds of things were happening at the residential school. So I started, and also, you know, I started to wonder about my body. I don't look right, i got to have this kind of muscles, this kind of physical shape, and got into the body shaming business in my life. And of course, you know, because I was in this world of trauma and stress, you know, and I look for happiness in a bottle of alcohol, and I drink it, and it was temporary medicine, and I'd wake up and the problems would still be there. And again, my body would tense up again. So I was in this vicious cycle with my body, and my mind, and my spirit. So, you know, I, I left that school at the age of 18 in 1968 and went out into the world and, of course, started drinking and drugging. But I managed to stay gainfully employed working on the railroad, working in a logging camp, you know, painting and decorating, bought two forest fires, you know, doing different kinds of labor work. And I had to have physical strength to do that, and I had it. But there was always this tension in my body. And I started to experience lower back pains. You know, and I started to be aware of my body and aches and pains, but also about body shaming. Still wondering about my identity too, about being good enough, you know, being stupid Indian, crazy Indian, drunken Indian, those kinds of messages that came through the air to me. Definitely brought tension to my body. But I started to get help for that. You know, I started to do the sweat lodge and calls out in my language, which means a place to look at yourself and the instructions were make it hot. So the heat would help my muscles. And the heat would, water would run out of my body and elders say that's inside out cleansing, you know, taking toxins out of your system. Plus, they would tell me to go to the cold water and it'd be good for my muscles too, you know, for inflammation and stuff, you know scrub myself with medicine like cedar branches, fir branches, hemlock, you know, started to do that. So I started to do different ceremony and ritual. 
Everyone helped me. My mind started to change. I'm okay. I'm a good man. You know, I, I can work. I can do this, you know. But there was still always something that wasn't quite right yet. I couldn't um, figure it out, I guess you could say. It wasn't until 1995 when I started working with residential school survivors that I went to um, this session, invited to this session with this community, and they're going to go out into this longhouse that's away from the community. It's isolated. And we're going to talk about working with residential school survivors. So I went and... Um, the massage therapist there that was um, part of the group. Now that's where I, he is talking about helping people because of tension in the body. So that was my exposure to the world of massage therapy. So it's, I'm so lucky today to have two wonderful guests with me. I'm going to ask them, first one is Susan, to introduce herself to you and talk about the world of massage therapy. And after her will be Aaron, a massage therapist as well. So Susan, can you please tell them out there about yourself and about the work that you do? Thank you. Um. My, I guess, conventional name is Susan Dupuis. And like I said earlier, um, the Dupuis part is I married a Frenchman and uh, kept the name but ditched a husband. And not because I like the name necessarily. It's just I haven't gotten around to changing it uh, legally uh, just yet. And I'm going to turn it over to my next guest now, Aaron. Is that your name, Aaron? That is, Aaron okay, Strong. Okay, yeah, just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your journey. And um, <clears throat> so I was born and raised um, by Dauphin, Manitoba, kind of by uh, Rainbow Beach, Oker River area. And uh, parents, they're out from uh, kind of Kennesota, Sandy Bay area. Um, my granny and Cuckoo, both residential survivors, mm -hmm. um, actually leading into one of the reasons we moved to Dauphin is uh, my father had a lot of trauma growing up with his parents being in uh, residential schools. And uh, I think he just wanted to separate us, keep us safe from that trauma, um, which I think it did in some ways, but in others, it kind of left me feeling emancipated from the culture. Mm -hmm. Um which I think at the time I didn't realize, but felt like my mind, body, and spirit were just disconnected. Um, I grew up hunting, fishing, picking Seneca root and berries. And, and uh, now that I'm older, I realize that that was my saving grace. That was the connection I had was to the earth. And um, it was very instinctual for me. And so now that I've been a little bit older, I'm focusing in on that, my connection with earth and the body, the mind, the spirit. Massage for me is part of that. Mm -hmm. And helping people heal 
like I have over the years. I'm sure we can all heal a bit more as time goes, but it's been quite the journey. Started out pretty rough. Uh, used to do quite a bit of drinking, went to AA at a young age. Um, actually, one of the guys that really helped me set my uh, journey in the right direction it was a man named Ed. He was an old co-worker of mine. He was a bit of a grumpy old man. He noticed the path I was going down. and He pulled me aside one day, talked with me, and offered to come to my home where he uh, helped me empty the bottles from underneath my bed and get rid of that. He took me to my very first AA meeting where I met a number of people there who had struggled and through that had many lessons to teach me. And today I can say I'm very happy that occurred because I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have that opportunity through Ed. He was uh, what I call a spiritual friend in a way because the spirit is about our body. It holds our body together. It's an entity that, you know, that holds our body together. And when it weakens, we lose that desire to live or to be successful. So then we have these friends wander into our life and they see what's going on. Because I'm, I'm similar. Like I, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and I, after I left residential school, I just hit the bottle. You know, I started when I was 13, actually. Left when I was 18, residential school, and hit the road of alcohol. You know, I still worked, but I was, uh, could still hold a job, but a lot of my energy was into the booze. You know, that when I think of that world, of uh, my world at that time, I was looking for happiness. You know, and the alcohol was just a temporary happiness. And it's a double-edged sword because it made my body unhealthy and everything else, my relationships especially with other human beings, you know, started to erode because of my alcoholism, you know, that searching for happiness. That's an instinctive thing for human beings. We want to be happy. We don't want pain. So we grow up avoiding, I grew up avoiding pain. And I finally learned that one of the elders told me, Jerry, when you say hello to your problems, you can say goodbye to them. <laughs> and it resonated with me, it made sense. So I started to look at my problems rather than run away from them. You know, so you're not alone in that. There's so many of us that hit addictions, drugs, alcohol, TV, games, gambling, there's all kinds of addictions. They call it process addiction. That's an activity we'll do over and over again that's not beneficial to us or our friends and family. Or a substance, you know, liquid, gas, that's you know, the drugs, smoking drugs and stuff, and pills. So many of my relatives got addicted to T3s, for instance. There's prescription, so they can go get it refilled. They get into these T3s. And it all comes from that, to me, a loss of identity. Because identity means that we want to be the same. The 
this desire for sameness. And some people say, no, you're not the same. You know, when, I, when one of my people t called me a stupid Indian because I couldn't speak my own language. Oh, that cut me. Oh, what am I then? You know, it was sort of happening with me. So you're not alone with that, Aaron, you know, and I'm so glad you share that because um, part of our belief is when we share ourselves, we're freeing ourselves too. And plus, the ones listening will say, hey, I'm not alone. Those two men talking, it happened to them too, you know. And, and so many, I remember, I was wishing that someone would quit drinking with me. I wanted a friend to quit with me, but nobody stepped forward, you know. So eventually I have to do it myself, you know, and uh, just leave friends behind and family behind. Change my life. Yeah. So that was your... What we call an AA or sponsor, like that took you to by your hand to the meeting, and then you. How did you get into this world of the body? So, after I got myself cleaned up enough, I uh, was just looking for something, a job. I wasn't sure if I should go to school, which direction I want to take that part of my life to. Um, and that's when, at 19, I started at Brandon Correctional Center here in town. Yeah. Worked there for about four years, I suppose. And I had, I wouldn't say good or bad, but a lot of experiences gained from that. And uh, when 2020 happened, that was, I needed to change. I wasn't getting that connection. I wasn't uh, feeling myself still, that loss of identity. I've been getting massage since the age of 14, so it was always in my back pocket, in yeah. the background of my life, and uh, I sat down for a few days, thought real hard, and it came to me, and I thought that's, a, that's the perfect way that I can make change in people's lives. I was tired of working at the jail and seeing the recidivism rates and feeling like you're not really making that much of a change as hard as we tried. Um, not maybe the best system for healing. Yeah. And so, for me, massage is helping others regain that connection. And through that, I regain my own connection. So you said you started getting treatment at 14. Yes, yes, 14. I just had really bad neck pain. I don't know if it's probably related to just tension and stress yeah. as a, at a young age, had lots of that. And um, the woman that I would see in Doff, and I, I swear I could see better, hear better, smell yeah. better, everything after. It was such yeah. a, a strong change in me. Even now, while I'm doing the work of massage, I can feel it inside me changing, like it's yeah. very powerful. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> Did you get massage too, yourself? I came to it in my 20s. Did you have neck pain or something too? Or? I have neck pain. I, I had 
shoulder blade pain in my oh. right shoulder blade. And uh, I now understand that area as being related to gallbladder and mm. anger, yeah. rage. And uh, my massage therapist, Karen, uh, the one I was telling you about, we worked on that very diligently but and peeled back very carefully. And one day it just let go. That was a very magic moment. But I didn't come into, massage therapy didn't come into my awareness until I was in my 20s. Uh, yeah. I really liked when you were talking about yoga. and Because uh, I do postures too, part of my fitness. and my I want to be limber and move around and continue to do things. And uh, yoga was... Like, I've never been to a structured yoga class, but people would teach me different poses and how to hold them, you know, and to put some effort into it, you know. And I found it really helped, helped me. My wife actually showed me a couple of them because um, I took up long-distance running. When I was 50, I started running marathons. So my muscles and stuff would take a beating. And she's the one who suggested I start going, well getting ahead of myself. In 95, I started working with residential school survivors. And we went on this camping trip with survivors to talk about how are we going to help survivors. And the one that coordinated that session, her husband was a massage therapist. And we were there and we're in the evening and we're living in a longhouse on this island you know, and uh, open fire, and it's a wonderful experience. And he started talking about deep tissue and how that can impact. So, like I was saying, I've gone through sweat lodge, different things, but there's still something missing from my body. So he asked, is there anyone here that has experienced that? And I, I learned how to put up my hand quickly, you know, because I wanted help. And I said, I, you know, I've been abused. He says, oh. And he said to me that, he said, I could tell this by the way I walked. He said, what are some of the things that let you know that you need help? I said, well, I don't trust men behind me. And he would talk about Muscles becoming like an armor, like protecting. And how I'd hold my body. Because I'd have lower back problems. And he said, if you want, I can work on you. Deep tissue. He says, it's, every thought we have is a muscular reaction in our body somewhere. And he says, you're storing yours in your lower back because of that's where the damage didn't call it damage. That's where you were encountering this, you know, the abuse. So I said, okay. So he had the sleeping bags there, and, you know, like we're, he got me there, and he's working. I couldn't see what he's doing, but it's just extreme pain for me. I think he's using his elbow or something. And it was so tight there, he probably didn't even have to press too much. I don't know. I have no idea. But I sort of like 
I could feel my back curl back because I was on my tummy. And he says, we're getting there. And I sort of laughed. He says, what's funny? And I said, I'm not laughing. I said, it hurts. <laughs> you know, oh, you know. And, um, but he done it in such a way. Because obviously he's trained and he's done this. But that was a transformation for me. Like I remember I was weeping as he finished, he was finishing off. He says, we're getting there. I guess he can sense it or feel it, I don't know. But he was working. And he came up my back, you know, along my spine and my shoulders and things, you know. But that's why I'm so glad both of you are here today to talk about this. The muscular structure, the tensions, you know, the things that happen to all of us. My jaws, you know, I'd clinch my jaws, grind my teeth, you know, and um, I got massage in my jaws and things, you know. And it was just so, like you're saying, you know, like, you leave, and I could see better, I could feel, I hear better, you know, all of those things, you know, and it was, um, so I'm a firm believer that so many of our people need this gift of human touch. You know, and um, I say in residential school, we developed a failure to thrive syndrome. As I read about this, about babies, if they're not held and cuddled, they get a failure to thrive. And I think all human beings can get like that. It doesn't matter the age, if you don't have that affection, that closeness, that touch. So we didn't get this tickling and stuff, you know, that children usually do. So I call it a failure to, to thrive syndrome. And you were talking about that with yourself earlier about, you know, you're chased outside. So can you talk a bit more about that? And, um, and then finally, what did it do? Like me, you know, like I'd walk different. And the massage therapist could see it because he worked with victims. I guess that was his specialty. That's why he came along with us. The impacts of, um, like you're talking, we mentioned trauma-informed practice. To understand what 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 might have happened to this person with me today, you know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in no talk therapy, and I believe massage therapy is part of no talk therapy. You know, you release a tension spot, you do what you're doing, you know. So for yourself, you know, I I have a better understanding of this because I was healed, you know, on that part of my body. And uh, as uh, years go on, I get treatment in different parts of my body. Because I know healing is a road that's not a destination. I'm going to need healing throughout my life, on my body. You know, even now at 74, I feel little aches and pains here and there, you know, so I'll do some stretching or something, you know, to try and alleviate that. In the sense of healing myself, you know, and I, I get hungry to find ways to keep my hips limber because I 
I don't want to fall down and break bones because my bones are starting to get brittle. It's, it's part of life. You know, so I learned more about it. And, uh, yeah, so. So do you have an example of a, a trigger point been released for you in regards to your own body? Uh, yeah, I think I spoke about that a little bit um, earlier, but... Uh, especially with my shoulder um, when Karen was working with me. But um, I think I'd like to uh, mention a, a profound learning moment uh, in massage class. So um, Randy Ellingson at, at uh, Wellington College in Winnipeg, um, I started my journey in, at Wellington College and my life wasn't... Um, I wasn't in a place in my life where I could continue, so I discontinued there but and went on to a different program years later. But anyway, when Randy said um, our skin started off as brain tissue in embryological development, that blew my mind. And he went on to say how we know things through touch. We know if somebody likes us. We know if somebody doesn't like us. We know if someone loves us through the touch. It doesn't have to be through context of massage. It could just be a touch of the elbow or a handshake or any kind of incidental touch. And so that really got me thinking. It's like, wow, the skin is very, very, very intelligent. And it's something that we can trust. It's something that we can rely on. And so as we go along in the healing journey, if we stop and think about that, that the skin is very intelligent and we know things through the skin, through the touch, then that has profound implications for how we go about living our lives, that we can trust ourselves. We have a built-in capacity to trust ourselves. If we don't trust ourselves, then we can start to make those connections and that healing journey through touch, even just your own self-touch. Um, one thing I often talk about with my colleague Aaron here is I'm so fascinated by mechanoreceptors. So mechanoreceptors are in your skin. You can, you can feel temperature. You can feel vibration. You can feel pressure. You can feel all kinds of things. You can feel pain, the nociceptors. Uh, you can feel your position in space. You can feel a lot of things just from that, you can um, put your hand in a bag and without sight, you can identify accurately what is in your bag. I have a question. So can we consider the skin an organ of the body? It is an organ of the so body. So it's the largest organ of our body. It is. <laughs> yes. Because I was listening to you, you know, that I, I was, um, at one point in my life, I... I'll say I was dying. You know, I stopped. I, I couldn't, um, my body wasn't, they wouldn't want even orange juice. It was too strong for me. 
So I was literally living on um, boiled eggs. And I was wasting away, getting thin and cold. And I went to the doctor. And he checked me up and asked me questions. And he says, I want you to come back and we're gonna, you're going to drink something and we're going to x-ray you at the same time. We're going to find out there's something going wrong with you inside. So I went, and uh, they done that. I drank this thing, and they x-rayed me. And after, you know, after we sat down, he says, I don't know what's going on, he says. So I left left him, and I I go to the sweat lodge, and I'd be just pouring the water on. People would be saying, oh, Jerry, 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 you know, and I, and I couldn't feel it. You know, I... It's summertime, and I'm walking on layers of clothing on. You know, I put on willing clothes, and I'm still cold. And I'd sit beside someone, and I can literally feel the heat off their body. My body was craving warmth, I guess. And I went to this um, community. There was a healer there, and I went to you know, support them. <laughs> you know, but I was actually looking for help. And I went there, and the healer looked at me. He said, oh, my God, I have to work on you, she said. And, uh, so I lay down on the floor, and that's why, again, I say no talk therapy. I'm a firm believer that massage therapy is part of that. And I was laying there. She put a, some blankets on the floor, and, and she um, done a scan of my body had my eyes closed, so I don't know. How, I don't know how this, what she was doing. But she came over a part of my body, and she said, there's something there, I'm going to take it. Just imagine like it's a thorn, and it's affecting your life force. So she's working me, she says, don't be afraid to make noise if you feel something. And I, so I go, oh, I feel... I started making noise. And she says, I got it. And I started weeping. And we're in a house, and uh, the women were preparing the meal, and I could smell the food. And I said, oh, that smells so good. She says, get up and eat. So I got up and ate, and the food was so delicious. So it was like an instantaneous event that happened, a healing, I became original again. So I think she was doing energy work over me and could feel the, the negativity. She said, somebody put that on you, she said. But that's an example of um, our people knowing energy, and like that organ, the skin, and the importance of taking care of that. And just a thought about the skin, too. Uh, I just completed some training uh, last fall in lymphatic um, drainage. And the lymphatic drainage is different from the deep tissue where you're working through the layers. So you, with deep tissue, you lay your hand on the person, you feel the skin, and then you start to go deeper into the deeper layers. So through the subcutaneous, through the fat layers, yeah. and into the muscular layers. 
and down and you can you know in some cases you can you know access a, a bony landmark say so that's more of an example of deep tissue it's usually a firmer stronger pressure with manual lymphatic drainage it's all on the surface of the skin so if you were to just place your fingers on your skin very lightly and then stretch the skin in a circular fashion and then release it and then do it again and again and again that has um, an effect to calm your nervous system and settle yourself down and get really really relaxed as well as if you're moving the fluid in the proper direction, um, then then it can drain fluid from, like, say, edema, uh, swelling kinds of situations, um, healing from um, any kind of wounds, uh, and um, uh, um, any kind of joint swelling, that sort of thing. But apart from all the mechanics of the manual lymphatic drainage, uh, which only happens at the layer of the skin, is a profound uh, sense of how powerful gentleness is. You don't have to use a lot of effort. You shouldn't sweat. You shouldn't even create any redness in the skin at all. Yeah. If you are, then you're using too much pressure. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and those tend to be extremely powerful um, treatments for people in a variety of ways that uh, you don't have to go hard in order to have effect. In fact, it could be even more profound to have the gentle touch. Thank you for that, because um, I know there's different schools. And people develop their own style, too. And some of it is harmful. You know, I, I took karate, and one of our senses was um, the master come in. The first thing he'd do is he'd show, show me your arms, so we put our arms. Because we're learning how to block and strike. And he talks to the sensei, he's teaching us, one of his black belts. He says, you don't go so hard. Because he could see bruising and things like that on, our, on parts of our skin, on our arms. He says, you don't want them to, to, you're teaching them the skill. And it's going to be building up that strength after many repetitions. So don't go hard right away. Because there's a soft style and a hard style. He says, you start with a soft style and work your way up. You know, and um, the youngsters... Younger black belts were wanting to be the hard style, you know, like Bruce Lee or something, you know, I guess. But then we get these senseis that this is smooth, just teaching us the, the style, I guess, or the true way I, I'd like to look at it as. Because I've gone to different massage therapists after I started running, and some of them would be the hard style. And some of them would say, I'm going to work on the fascia. You know, like you're talking, you're describing, you know, because it's all about energy, right? And working with the energy of the individual, because we're all in different places. I think Aaron has some things to say about <clears throat> gentleness, um, 
with in terms of a, a mentor or a relative? That's um, uh, I think in our conversations you were telling me about your grandfather. Yes, my my grandfather. He was uh, one of the most gentle men I've ever experienced in life. He was a very beautiful soul and taught me a lot on how to be a person, how to be a, a caring person. Uh, a thought that I had while you were talking there, Susan, though, is um, it's so interesting with the mechanoreceptors and stuff. Uh, you could almost say that massage therapy is built into the human body the way it's able to take that external stimuli and turn it into internal change. And uh, it's, it's very, very instinctual. And I keep going back to instincts, primal type of stuff. Um, you know, growing up, if you had a sore tummy, what do you do? You, you rub it. And that's what massage therapy really is. Um, I think that... Uh, What's happened through trauma and stigma, though, is some people can be afraid, afraid of that touch. Um, but if you're willing to open yourself up to it, you can heal and you could, say, avoid medications. You could avoid surgery in cases. Some you can't yeah. avoid, but be willing to try the natural route. Use the human body to heal itself first, and then we can go from there. So your grandfather had a kind spirit. Beautiful. Yes, because, you know, the indicators of a sound spirit, like a sound body is we, we're disease-free, you know, we can walk, we can, we can move around the world. But a spirit, that what holds our body together, the indicators of that being healthy, it has an incredible will to live, first off. doesn't matter how many mosquitoes or whatever. We still want to be here and participate in life. And plus, we want to be successful in everything we do. Not just our job, but being a family member, being a friend, being a citizen. You know, we want to be successful at it. Then the third indicator is kindness. We have this kindness and what they call compassion, which means you're a willing participant with people that are suffering. That's a compassionate person. So when we have this kindness, people want to be with us. They see you and you get happy to see the, a kind person because you want to go eat with them, you know, whatever. Participate in life. I had the same. I had kind elders, you know, that gentle... I tell people they didn't swear, they didn't rarely raise their voice, you know, but they had beautiful laughter and smiles and kind words. You know, they're wonderful teachers. So I'm so glad you had that because my grandmother was mine. You know, she was kind. Tell people if I was going to rewrite the dictionary and they'd say, what's love? I'd say Jerry's grandmother. <laughs> you know, that would be the, what love was in the dictionary for me, you know. Susan, there's layers. When I hear you talk about the layers of around the body, 
right from the skin down, the fat layer, that's protection too, you know. So what about when it, about the bone, our bones, you know? I know that our people would do manipulation around the body. Like my mother, I, we're looking at baby pictures, and I see, and I say, who's that baby? A big smile on that baby's face looks good. That's you. She's laughing, you know. And I say, oh, it's such a, such a handsome baby, you know. And I think she sort of senses it's going to my head, and she says, you know, you were born an ugly baby. <laughs> and, I, and I look at my mom and my, I think it was my granny and somebody else in the room, maybe one of the aunties. They, said, they agreed. They said, yeah, because I guess when my mom had me, there was a birthing thing in my face. Something happened with my structure. But they said they massaged me, you know, to get my structure right again. They said, look what a handsome boy we made. They said, you know. Because I know in our area on the West Coast, too, there was a certain tribe, not ours, but they would actually put a, a board on the baby's forehead to flatten it because it was a symbol of um, you're, you're from that group. You know, sort of, because the bones are soft when we're born as a baby. You know, so... I can only imagine the numbers of people you've worked on. That must be hundreds of different people. And they come to you with different issues. Because I've talked to you, you've worked on me, and I said, uh, I want to be as limber as long as I can be. So we're gonna, one day I'll go and you're going to watch me walk and do things. So are you gonna, do you think you can help my bones? massage? I think massage can influence the bones, mm. but the bones are mostly the in the realm of uh, chiropractors and osteopaths. Mm -hmm. But one interesting thing about the, the bones, this is what I learned in school. Um, the uh, So take your thigh bone, okay, your, yeah. your femur, heaviest bone in the body. Um, did you know, and you know the Eiffel Tower? Yes, You've traveled yes, a lot, yes, so yes. you might have even been there. Yes, I went And I know, and, yeah. Aaron, you did some European travel as well. Did you see the Eiffel? I did. As well? Okay, so I have not been there. but um, So the Eiffel Tower, they, they wanted something really tall, and, um, and they also needed it to support its own weight. Um, and the inspiration for the design of the Eiffel Tower came from a femur. Oh. The inside of the of the bone is it's a honeycomb yes. structure inside yes. because it has to have lots of air pockets too, right? Yes. If that was just a solid Mass. hunk of metal, that thing wouldn't have a chance. It would like just fall all over the place, right? Wouldn't be able to sustain its own weight. But the way we're designed, yes. our human body is designed heaviest bone in the body if that was just solid bone we would never be able to lift that sucker like yeah. just by walking or sitting or standing or nothing we wouldn't be able to do it it would be too heavy yeah so the nature's solution was to make it a honeycomb structure with lots of air inside of it and <laughs> isn't that profound to think oh, about it is uh, you know like you're talking about the eiffel tower um 
when they made their ads, you know, out of flint and stuff, and ads were working with wood. And all of our people had adzes, you know, and axes and knives, you know, for cutting and shaping. But our people designed the ads. They copied the beaver tooth. Because the beaver is so effective in cutting trees down. So when you look at the indigenous ads, it's the shape of a beaver tooth. <laughs> See, like so, when our wisdom comes together here and we start having conversations like this, we can make all kinds of connections, right? Um, I know Aaron does some hunting, so you will have lots of insight into anatomy and, uh, and uses of, of animals uh, for our use. There's definitely uh, <laughs> getting into massage, recognizing some of the muscles I see inside deer and stuff yeah. as I'm... Uh, gutting and processing the animals it's uh it's very similar across species it was very interesting um i think uh hunting's a great way to uh reconnect with the land and the use of animals though i tend to use the hides the sinew yeah. the bones organs and make little <laughs> tools and leather working pins yeah. and yeah. all that sort of stuff and very interesting stuff. Oh, they say we use every bit of the animal. And I, I'd say to one of my elders, even the teeth? And they said, oh, yeah, that's what they put in the rattles, was the teeth. Because they break down and they use them and they dry, then pretty soon you got the, like this rattle. So they put teeth, animal teeth in there, deer teeth, coyote teeth. Start to break down after they dry up some, and then you get a nice sound. You know the the knowledge of the organs. Like uh, Elder told me, there's medicine for every organ of our body coming out of the earth. We just need to find the right combination for skin, you know, for our heart, for our eyes, our brain, every organ of our. So that's medicine from the earth. And you two are medicine for the body, for the muscular structure, you know, everything but the bone, you know. <laughs> it's the way I would look at it, you know, because when I hear you talking about, oh, this felt so good after I left, so that means that this, you know, the times in our life as a human being I've, I've discovered and I believe now is when we're totally stress-free, is when we feel joy. So you just got this real, like I'll call it intense joy. Every stress leaves every part of your body. You know, and I think about that like I, I was stressed. One of my examples of that is I stressed out my younger brother and my cousin stuff, they all learned how to ride a bicycle before I did. And we'd not make these, I call them res bicycles. We'd make bikes out of a whole bunch of parts, right? And then I had one that had big fat tires, and not the only one that sort of had fat tires, and it wasn't as tall as the other bikes. And I'd, and I'd sit there, and I'd lift my feet up, and it'd fall over, and I'd put my feet back in the ground. 
And I'm talking to myself at summertime, I can't do this, oh, geez, I'm stupid, you know, started beating myself up. And my brother and my cousins biked out of sight. You know, they're bicycling and they're happy and I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, geez. And, and things come out of like nowhere. And we're, at, we're on the road there, then there's a road up to my, our house. And it's an incline. So something told me, and I wonder if it's a guardian spirit or what is it. You take that bicycle up the hill, and you sit on it, and you put your hands on the, your feet on the pedals, and the bike started rolling downhill, and I started paddling. And I remember the extreme joy I felt. Yeah, ooh, hey, I can ride a bike, you know, and I catch up to my brother and them, you know. But I had that extreme joy, and it took away all the stress of me being stupid, I can't learn this. And that's one of the things I, I know that massages has brought me joy. You know, and I go and I'd feel my shoulders relax, you know, because I got into, you know, holding my shoulders up, like I say, and I'm a victim. And sometimes when I get stressed out, I go back to that. My muscles remember, you know, so I'll go and I go see Susan, you know, yeah, well, my, my legs are feeling it, or my shoulder, you know, and then you'd work on it, you know, and I'd feel it after I leave. I guess it's relief, you know, relaxation, you know, so. I remember in BC, we were, we were trying to get residential school survivors to take massage. Part of that, because of what I'd went through, you know, that I was carrying myself in a way that my muscles became tense. And when I got work done, it was like a new day, <laughs> you know, a new day. And it was so, I remember that appreciation I had when that guy worked on me. Like I was saying, it hurt, but I know that I think he was so well-trained that he didn't damage tissue or anything. But I, like I was saying, I bet he didn't have to press very hard, you know, to start to release that point on my, you know, just above my tailbone, you know, because I so stored so much there. A healer told me, you know, our body remembers. So we find a way to um, go back to our original. many different kinds of stimulus to help you process that like let the body process or metabolize uh, so that we can come back to that um, that nervous system feeling of wellness right yeah, where our nervous systems are regulated um, Aaron has other training than me I, I'm wondering if you can talk about some of your of your modalities within your massage practice? I tend to use a lot of deep tissue uh, yeah. in my practice, uh, as well as some instrument-assisted uh, soft tissue mobilization. I use uh, a couple little metal blades to kind of help aid my uh, tissue mobilization, uh, moving the fascia. Um, it's uh, intense, yeah, but the end goal is having that relief. And some people do tend to um, 
lean towards wanting and needing that little bit of a deeper pressure. You know, you were talking about uh, memories, and I had read an article years ago. It was talking about how memories are stored in almost all tissues of the body. Yeah. And uh, there was an example of a person who had received, a, I believe, a heart transplant. Yeah. The person who had donated that heart was, I think they were uh, really fond of like pickled eggs or yeah. something strange yeah. like that. And yeah. The recipient of the heart, all of a sudden when they woke up, they, they too enjoyed those pickled eggs. And so I, I believe massage therapy can influence some of those uh, memories or yeah. tissues in the body and help heal from those as well. So yeah. when I go for a massage for, from you, Aaron, will I suddenly crave pickled eggs? No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, <kidding. you> might. <laughs> I had a question. I don't know. One of maybe one of you can answer. Because I when we when I go to a massage, I know they use oils. How do they find out which oil? Or is it just your own personal preference, or is there a purpose with it? At our clinic, we use a, a lotion, mm -hmm. and it's it's a specially formulated so that we get enough grip and enough glide. But there are some modalities where you don't need any oil or lotion at all because you're wanting you're wanting that that skin to skin contact mm -hmm. and you don't want to be slipping all over the place right mm -hmm. and uh, especially when it comes to like um, if you're needing to do some um, stretching and some mobilizing you can't have slippery hands for that kind of work you need to be able to grip well to move people in different uh, positions. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I know there are some therapists who might use different kinds of oils and maybe some essential oils and, and things like that. Um, um, I encourage some of uh, my Indigenous clients, if they have bear grease, if they want me to use bear grease, then mm -hmm. I encourage them to bring that if they want it. My, one of my teachers, his wife was a rolfer, you know, and uh, she didn't rolf me, but I watched her working and her husband. Looks like half of her hand was going into his body, you know, and, was, and she said to me, you want a massage? I says, okay, we'd finished a workshop. He was my teacher in workshops, facilitation. She said, okay, I'll give you, um, I think she called it oil salt massage. So she mixed salt and oil. Just done me a really good scrub, like, you know, it was so good, it smelled good and it felt good. You know, and I said, oh, that's good. You know, so all the different kinds, like I've gone to um, what they call hammam, you know, the Muslim kind, and they use lots of soap and stuff, you know, and um, that was interesting too. Have any of you heard about indigenous doing massage before contact or as a tradition? I have not heard of that. Anything from you, Aaron? Or? Not really. I, I almost wonder if it's a bit of a, a lost thing. I think so. Like I was talking about, they massaged me. You know, they, they they helped my soft bones, you know, to, I guess, come to an original shape again. 
So I think that the, I think part of my belief is we're so healthy before contact. Our diet, you know, how we're taught to sit, everything. Like you say, sit like an eagle. Don't be slouching around, you know, and things like that. So all of that led to a lot of prevention. But I believe that they had this awareness. They could look at you and say, oh, your shoulder's out. You know, and they know what to do. You know, like they, they do the manipulation or the pressure. I believe that our, we call them shkunams, that they were the healers. They had that gift of awareness, of um, seeing. And also, even when they touch, they can, they can sense there's something there. And they would pressure it or do something to take it. I think it comes so naturally that I would find it hard to believe that they didn't. Yes. Yeah, it's just a, like, you're right. It's a good way of saying it. it's just a natural thing. Like you'd be sitting beside a friend or a relative, oh, do a pressure point there or a rub or do whatever and it gets fixed. Because me, I carried mine for years. And I know even in language, like uh, elders say, yakwasit, free yourself. Don't be walking around angry all the time. You're no good for anybody. Free yourself. So we're encouraging each other all the time to, to get rid of the stress of anger, fear, or depression, or greed, or anything like that. So people would see that, and they would tell you, stop it. Because if we are angry all the time, you know, our jaws, our different parts of our muscular structure is getting ready to fight. You know, so if people are seeing that and they're telling you, stop it, you know, or come over here, you know, and do something with your body, you know. Because I know healers had hands-on and some of them didn't, you know, they just do energy, you know, but some of them would actually do a hands-on. You're reminding me of uh, an article I read a while back. If you have show notes, I can provide the link. Mm -hmm. for that article for anyone who wants to read it. But there is um, um, one of the founders of osteopathic um, um, manual therapy, uh, Dr. Andrew Taylor Still. You might recall that name or know that name. But anyway, in the osteopathic um, world, um, he's like the founding father of that, of that modality. And um, so the, the craniosacral, therapy actually came from the indigenous people mm. in like in the states there and and he took those ideas and um and they and he is credited with it <laughs> but it actually came from indigenous people and there was another article that i i read about uh um you might know the term Maslow's hierarchy of yes. needs, okay, yes. where you have you have to satisfy your basic needs yeah. first, yeah. and then you move up towards self-actualization, where you become a full human being. Well, apparently that idea came from the Blackfoot people. And uh, Maslow had spent time with the elders there, and they had a version of that, and he took that idea, and now he's credited um, with that 
I totally so, believe that. <laughs> <laughs> These people who take things and don't give proper credit to indigenous knowledge. I was told that uh, 75% of the medicines that are pharmaceuticals you know, are making uh, come from indigenous knowledge from South America and North America. Like aspirin, for instance. Red willow has the same... My grandmother would say, she'd get arthritis in her elbows. Oh, son, go get me some red willow. And I go get her a red willow, you know, and then she could bring it back. And she says, break it up. And put it in that pot and fill it up with water. And then boil it. When it boils down to half, it's really red. She says, just like strong tea, she said. And then she'd get towels. She'd say, son, get two towels and put them in there. I put them in there. And I take them out. She says, when you can touch your skin, touch it with your skin, wrap it around my elbows. And I'd wrap it around her elbows, and she'd sit there, and you could see her start to relax. Because uh, it's the same as aspirin, the chemical makeup of red willow. I says, oh. And I wonder if I'm, then there's red rose or wild rose. If you mix those two together and boil them, make a real strong concoction with it, and you put it in the bathtub with someone when they're going to have a bath, Just you know, the body gets infused with that medicine. My brother had a friend, um, he's a white man, and he has a rheumatic, or a rheumatoid arthritis. And that means, rheumatoid means like a river of fire. So when you start an inflammation, go through all the joints, and they're just in pain. So my brother said, try this, and he made him that medicine. And uh, filled up a tub, and my brother packed in that medicine he made, and he dumped it in the tub. And he says, your skin's going to get red. Don't worry about it. He says, but the guy got in there. And my brother said he was sitting in the living room, and he could hear that guy laughing. And he thought he was in pain or something. Is you all right? He says, no, it's the first time I've didn't feel pain in a long time. Then, whoa. So I, I'd ask, how do we know about these medicines? And they said, one of the ways is the color of the plant. So red is like the color of fire. And you think of rheumatoid river of fire. So the red willow was to deal with inflammation, flame. I said, whoa. You know, so that's why I think we knew massage therapy, but I think so many people know it. It was like common, common remedies. Now we have professionals like yourself. I'm glad we do, you know, because we have lots of things that are lost art, like the herbs, for instance. People knew how to collect them, how to use them. And, uh, like I say, prevention is the best medicine. You know, and you both work in prevention, you know, because uh, I know if I didn't get that treatment in my lower back, I don't know what would have happened to me eventually. You know, if I didn't get that released, it probably would have been affected by walking and everything. I know it did, you know. So... I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. 
you know, and of our youngsters or anyone out there listening. I know that when we find our gift, we're all born with a gift. And when we find that gift, we have a meaning and purpose in life. If we don't find that gift, we suffer. You know, and, um, so you found the gift of touch, human touch. And that's a real gift, to be able to help human beings that have stored, or just from an accident, their muscular system is not right. I know it prevents headaches and different things, you know, and you... I'm so blessed I've rarely had headaches. Only time I had real serious headaches is when I was a drinking man and I'd have a hangover, <laughs> you know. But I never get the stress headaches. I'm so blessed for that and thankful for that. I have, I have maybe twice in my life had headaches, I think, from stress. But I learned to keep my neck limber, my shoulders and things through yoga and exercise and doing conditioning for my body. So, Su Susan, if you're going to give a message, who would you pick? Would you pick little girls, little boys, adults, elders? If you can give a message now through this podcast, give someone a message out there about care for the body. I would say, um, ask yourself at any given point, can you take a long, deep, full breath? That's one big care for the body right there. Yeah. If you can breathe easily and fully and be, be in yourself. And I guess from a massage point of view, yeah, as Good, healthy touch. Um, get as much good, healthy touch as, as you can. Um, and give good, healthy touch. Understand what good, healthy touch is. It means, you know, that your touch is welcome and, um, and you, you feel like you, you want to, to touch somebody too. You know, it all has to be respectful and consent-based and all that. Um, movement is medicine as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, good nutrition is medicine. All of those things really, really help. But um, our, like they, they call our skin, like uh, our skin is very social, right? So yeah. that's, how, that's how we bond. Even, again, even if we're just to touch one another's shoulder in passing or elbow yeah. in passing, you know, we do need that incidental touch and that socialization and that, and that need to bond. Um, and of course, I, I will always say, you know, if you can get a get a massage, find somebody you're comfortable with, and uh, enjoy that, and and think about it as a a possible uh, career path, yeah, even later in life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like give a gift of touch. Yeah. Yes, it's. Um took me a long time to get there, <laughs> you know, like to, to hug people, you know, and not be nervous about it. 
That's a wonderful message. Aaron, will you have a message for anyone out there or any group or just people in general? I guess for <clears throat> young men like myself, through healing others, you can heal yourself. Yeah. And do your stretches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, as I was listening, and, you know, that to both of you, what the gift you have and to use that. And, it's, and I think of my mother when they put me into my mother's arms after I was born. Susan, that's the first gift of touch. Other than the one that delivered me, that caught me. But uh, when my mother made that commitment, then when she's holding me, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nourish you, keep you clean made that commitment to me. And when I think of it, the power of that, my message is to honor other people's bodies and their gifts. Because I, you know, today is maybe the first time I've said it ever, was that at times I wished I paid more attention to my mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that gift of that first touch after I was born and they laid me on her chest. That's our first bonding. You know, so we can all learn from this human touch. And I think it's to both of you here, I'm so thankful you come today because I believe that's a missing element for many of our people. We grow up in violence. We grow up not to trust ourselves or each other. It affects our body, our muscle structure. So I encourage all of you out there to find a way to get some massage. Give yourself a treat, you know. And um, Like Susan says, find someone you can trust. Go out. It took me a, a while to find, um, to trust male therapists, massage therapists, because of my abuse issues. And uh, I still at times, you know, I lay there and I think my mind will automatically go there, you know, like, and I say, no, 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 Jerry, it's not always like that anymore. You know, I talk to myself and accept a gift of another human touching my body, helping me. It's about help to be original again, to heal. You know, and I think back in my life, I shared with both of you where I come from, beautiful space. Then I went out into the world and I got hurt and I got damaged. And that affected the way I walk and you could tell the way my heels would wear out in my shoes, you know, because that's how my body got unbalanced. And to bring it back into balance, you know, is a real gift. You know, so... If you're wondering out there about this medicine, today we bring you that message that it is no talk therapy. And indigenous people are famous for no talk therapy. 
we get the eagle fan, we'll brush people off. Branches of trees, you know, rattles. I make we make rattles out of deer hoofs too. And we and we go around and it helps people to fix people. For that time of their life. This has been a wonderful session. You know, the, um, one of the things I've been lately thinking about, because so many things I think about is missing. And one of them is how we, we care for our spirit, you know, that holds our body together. And my conclusion was that our people must find a way to do that. In, this, in many ways, like hunting can be, can be that. And you share what you give, what you catch, what your, you know, your hunter-gatherer. Massage can be part of that, you know, to tend to our own spirit. Like when you help people, you help yourself. Absolutely. And before you help people, you help yourself. <laughs> you know, you take care of yourself. It's such a, you know, to realize that life is give and take. Not just take, but give and take. And um, you too give a lot by using your energy to help human beings. And I thank you for that. And uh, thank you for coming to the show. And uh, 